Greetings. A lot of new uh, listeners to the Armstrong and Getty Show, which we appreciate a great deal. And uh, and I'm reminded occasionally we ought to reset various things so you understand what's going on. I can't help but plug our, our little rejoin music we play at the top of every hour. is a song called Monday by Wilco from one of my favorite albums of all time, Being There. Uh, Joe Getty here. Jack has left the building to go uh, help out with his little boy's uh, medical treatment. Uh, Got to be there to, you know, to head that up. So uh, go get him and good luck to uh, Jack and the family. Big story today is that uh, we're, uh, what's, the, what's today, Tuesday? A couple of days away from the big House impeachment vote. Whatever it is, it's authorizing a an impeachment inquiry. And we write rewrite this stuff every time we as a country try to impeach a president. It's only happened three times, really, if you include Nixon. Um, and that one didn't, you know, go all the way to the trial phase. But only happened three times, about 150 years apart. Andy Johnson, Nixon, and, and uh, Bill Clinton. And the Constitution's pretty vague. And so we make it up as we go along. And it's the will of the American people, the judgment of the voters, that keeps things more or less on the rail. Now, given our highly partisan and wildly hyperbolic times right now, it's it's much, much less dignified and there's much less agreement on what ought to happen and how it ought to look than, than even the previous times, which were pretty crazy. Um, so anyway, the House is going to say, yes, yes, this is now an official impeachment inquiry which is mostly an effort to get the White House to cooperate because they've been saying, this ain't real, this is phony, this is just digging up political dirt. It's not even a real impeachment. We're not helping you at all. Witnesses aren't going to show up, except for those that did. Uh, You get no papers, screw you. And so Nancy and company are going to try to remedy that. But uh, how it changes and what the White House does in the wake of uh, what is almost certainly going to be a successful vote, um, who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. Um, but it's interesting, and and it's frustrating to us, mostly because we're curious guys, and while we might have an opinion, we might have a strong opinion, and we might advocate it really, really, really strongly, it's both, you know, it's, it's more satisfying to us, and it's it makes us happier if we actually know what's going on. I mean, if you're a drunk Nationals fan, and are you on that's going to kick Houston's ass tonight... Like they did the first two games. You know, good for you. Enjoy yourself, drunky. Or, you know, you're shouting the other thing from the Houston perspective. That's fine. But if you heard Joe Buck, is Joe Buck doing the games? Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, what's his name? John Smoltz, who's terrific. He knows everything about pitching. Obviously, he's a Hall of Famer. But anyway, if you're Joe Buck and you're saying, this is going to kick ass, they're going to crush it, well, that's just terrible. It's embarrassing. It's unprofessional. And so, long story short, Jack and I try to actually understand what's happening and 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 bring that to you, so you understand to whatever extent we form an opinion, want to pitch our opinion. At least it's an informed informed opinion. And and Matt Taibbi, who's who's a real lefty, he's an extremely capable writer for Rolling Stone and other publications. Um, but he's a, he's a notable lefty has written a, a, a handful of pieces recently about how pathetic and biased our media has become. And while he does mention that a great deal of the broadcast day on Fox News is unquestionably biased toward conservatism, as if that's a surprise to anybody that Sean Hannity isn't exactly straight down the line, 
Um, he has been extra uh, harsh on his fellow lefties, saying that the Washington Post, the New York Times, uh, CNN, MSNBC, the Alphabet Networks have utterly abandoned any pretense at accurate reporting, and now they're just pitching a particular point of view. And I appreciate the intellectual honesty. It's fairly rare to hear that conceded by progressive types, um, and, uh, and, and it's always refreshing. And he gives the example of the various stories, uh, the headlines, um, and, and the, the published stories having to do with the snuffing of old Baghdaggy, Baghdaggy, Al Baghdaggy, um, Al Baghdaggy, Baghdaggy. And, uh, and he does a very nice job of dissecting that. And we have, I think we have that at, under hot links at armstrongandgetty.com if you want to read the whole, the whole thing. Um, but then he, he goes into the fact that he has to go to foreign news sources to get accurate reporting. And he mentions that during the Trump-Clinton presidential race three years ago, I wrote, and I'm quoting him now, obviously, the model going forward will likely involve Republican media covering Democratic corruption and Democratic media covering Republican corruption. This set setup just doesn't work. And he says the al-Baghdadi story is a classic example of what happens when that dynamic is allowed to play out to its logical conclusion. From Fox News to the New York Times, all of the major commercial outlets this weekend were consumed with telling audiences who benefited politically from the al-Baghdadi mission than getting the facts, uh, more so than getting the facts about the mission out. This is a disservice to readers and audiences who deserve to know the basics. Who is al-Baghdadi? How did, he, how did he come to be the leader of ISIS? Why was he in Idlib? The story of this person ought to have been a mix of the enraging and sobering. Al-Baghdadi was reportedly involved in all sorts of atrocities, from beheadings to crucifixions. But he seems to have been radicalized by America's invasion of Iraq. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Something for everybody there. There's a little gung-ho, we got him. A little bit of, oh, the after effects of the war in Iraq. To me, this is so much more interesting than the partisan rah-rah stuff. He says, this ought to have been a moment to reflect on what's happened in the last 20 years. And if our policies across multiple administrations have been the right ones, would we even be launching operations against such a person if we hadn't invaded Iraq all those years ago? What's the end game? What do the people of the region think? All of this has been subsumed to the only story that matters. In the United States, the only story left, who's winning Twitter at any given moment, Trumpers or anti-Trumpers? News outlets are so committed to pushing one or the other narrative that they are falling prey to absurdities like the Post's austere cleric headline, in which they portrayed Baghdadi in their headline as if he were, I don't know, the head of some Midwestern seminary. If papers are going to go this far in an obituary to avoid even the implication of a favorable Trump narrative, how are audiences supposed to trust reporting on supercharged partisan stories like impeachment? Which was my point at the outset of the segment. There's more to life and to the news than what is or isn't good for Donald Trump. Can't we at least get a day or two of facts before we fight over whom they favor? Wow. Way to go, Matt. Way to go, brother. That is some really, really good writing and an excellent uh, point of view. On a similar topic, oh, you know what I meant to ask for this? Hey, uh, Sean, do we have the uh, the Michael Che joke that he's allegedly in trouble for? Yes. The Bruce uh, Jenner thing? I'm sorry. Well, now I'm in trouble. Go ahead and play it. 
It sounds like this. West released his new gospel album, Jesus is King, yesterday. And it's also being reported that Kanye will be altering his old hits with more G-rated lyrics. So, yay. <laughs> yeah, at first I thought Kanye was losing his mind, and now I feel like he's fine. He's just turning into an old white lady. <laughs> I mean, he used to be like one of the coolest black dudes on earth. Now he's showing up to events in sweatpants and orthopedic sneakers, <laughs> listening to Kenny G and trying to get black people to like Trump. It's like, how long before this guy changed his name to Kathy? <laughs> Now, you might think that I'm crazy, but about five years ago, there was a fella named Bruce Jenner, and he moved to Calabasas. <laughs> Pretty much ended. Yeah, that's great. So it ends with him uh, with a picture of Caitlyn Jenner and him just kind of looking at the audience shrugging like, eh, see, it's happened before. <laughs> right, right, right. So... <laughs> Excuse me. Michael Che is being slammed for calling Jenner a fella. And some fans want him fired for transphobia. Maybe, all right, maybe I'll give you the facts before the analysis. Uh, he's being accused of transphobia after calling Caitlyn Jenner a fella. Back when he was a fella, he won the freaking fella's gold medal at the Olympics. Che spoke about Jenner, et cetera, et cetera. And apparently, Sean, what's the uh, what's he being accused of? There's a word for it. Dead naming. When you refer to a, a, uh, a trans person who has gone through the procedure as their old name, that is apparently called dead naming, and it is greatly frowned upon. I, I tell you what, I congratulate the outer fringe of 3% of Americans that include virtually every college professor on every campus for coming up with a name for everything and pretending that it's an official and known thing, even though you cooked it up in your wackadoo bull-ass textbook that no, that everybody ought to have the good sense to think is bull-ass. But anyway, so it's dead naming uh, for calling Bruce Jenner a fellow when he was a fellow. Uh, now the analysis part, uh, ain't nobody offended by this, uh, statistically speaking. And it's not because they're not enlightened. It's because how could they possibly be? This is uh, an example of a couple of different things. Number one, most obviously, the being offended on behalf of somebody else phenomenon, which is just annoying. Um, if somebody's offended, actually, personally, feel free to let me know. Um, secondly, it is, and John Stewart was the guy who pointed this out to us the first time, and for that I'm grateful to him, that the media's true bias, he said at the time, and and I would alter that a little bit. I'd paraphrase it. The media's absolutely obsessive enthusiasm is for conflict, for the slightest hint of somebody's mad, somebody's mad. And it's so much like high school cheerleaders at that cheerleaders only lunch uh, table gossiping about who's mad at whom. Um, God, how phony is this? He's, uh, they're urging them to fire him. Please, anybody want to uh, place a wager on that? I'll give you any amount you want, any odds you want, um, that Michael Che will be uh, sitting in his chair doing his job next week. Unbelievable. Can our media get any more stupid? Oh, anyway, uh, moving along. Speaking of uh, the naughty bits, which uh, Bruce Jenner got swapped out and, and became Caitlyn Jenner, Australia has an idea for making sure no kids look at porn. It is a brilliant idea. And it is an awful idea. And that's next. Armstrong and Getty. 
Show. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it very much. Hey, uh, Positive Sean. Yes. I'm feeling a little bit newsy here. May I hear, please, Trump number seven and number eight talking about the uh, Chicago and, uh, well, about Chicago and the Chicago police. It's embarrassing to us as a nation all over the world. They're talking about Chicago. Afghanistan is a safe place by comparison. People like Johnson put criminals and illegal aliens before the citizens of Chicago. And those are his values. And frankly, those values to me are a disgrace. Interesting. Okay, he was talking to a police chief's association there. Uh, Chicago is uh, having a terrible, terrible time dealing with its violence, obviously. And it's because nobody's willing to address the root causes because they're really, really uncomfortable. And the root causes are, uh, well, you know, I was going to say they're not economic, but that does play into it. Uh, but it goes a hell of a lot deeper than that until we're going to be honest about the disintegration of the American family, the lack of male role models, a cultural norm that says violence is a proper response to virtually any uh, trigger, no pun intended, um, we'll never get anywhere. But uh, the entirely democratic apparatus of Chicago government has no desire to look into that. It's too uncomfortable. So they will continue to see their young men bleed out on street corners in horrifying numbers. Uh, sorry for the straight talk, but there you have it. So, um, Australia, uh, I've, I've long been amused slash troubled by the fact that, um, porn websites, at least some, I guess, say, are you 18? And then the, you know, underage, uh, uh, uh would be a self pleasure or whatever, um, just types in yes and, or some fake birthday. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous, and it's troubling because I, I, I am not anti-erotica like some people are for grown humans, um, but it's absolutely beyond question that the uh, anything-goes-bizarro, crazy, if you can think of it, it exists world of Internet porn is available to children, particularly young men. It distorts their view of what they and a mutually uh, happy partner could ever expect of each other or or what's normal or doable or a uh, normal human being can even physically accomplish. It's, it's just troubling. It's sad. But so uh, in that context comes uh, the Australian Department of Home Affairs, which is trying to figure out how to keep their young people from <clears throat> viewing bizarro porn. And the department suggests that facial recognition technology be used to scan the faces of would-be porn viewers confirming they are adults before allowing them to view the content. It would involve scanning a person's face and matching it to an image from an official document such as a person's driver's license photo. The domestic security agency in a regular regulatory filing to a parliamentary committee blah, 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 also suggested the same process be used to restrict access to gambling sites. Um, you know, here my knowledge of technology or my lack of it gets in the way because, like, I'm still mystified by the idea that China controls the Internet inside their country. I get that they control various Internet service providers. I'm told that people with any level of sophistication uh, can mask where they are and do all sorts of crazy stuff. But I'm, I am not up on it. I apologize. But um, 
The plan involves the Home Affairs Department storing driver's license, passport, and visa images in an interoperability hub, which government agencies, telecom companies, and banks would be allowed to access in order to use facial recognition technology. And the part of this that's hazy to me because of my lack of knowledge about this is, um, how are you going to control an Aussie uh, Aussie youth getting a hold of some site out of the U.S. or, or Sri Lanka or, or, or Nome, Alaska or whatever? I guess Nome is in the U.S. Um, the other thing is, uh, 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 folks, uh, there will be positive identification of you known to the government that you're looking at porn. And what sort of porn and how often porn and whatever else. And any knowledge that the government has is knowledge that will someday be misused and or hacked. So, although I tell you what, you know, given what I was saying earlier about just the pervo stuff, you know, I'm I'm almost willing to err to the side of exposing porn addicts. Marshall, what are your headlines, please? California, home to high-tech leaders, just can't keep the lights on. We'll get into that coming up. There's a lot happening in the world, and Marshall Phillips has our headlines. Well, i got to tell you, another round of PG&E power shutoffs is underway, even as we speak. Frustration and anger mounting across Northern California as the state's biggest utility begins another round of fire prevention blackouts that could leave millions of people without electricity, some for five days or longer, they're saying now. The shutoffs are aimed at preventing any windblown electrical equipment from sparking wildfires, and they come as fire crews are racing to contain two major fires in northern and southern California. They're trying to get as best a handle as they can on them before the winds pick up again later today. Someday the uh, complete story of how corrupt California got to this point will be written, and it will be very interesting, but nobody will read it. It's absolutely terrible governance. It's crony capitalism. It's a big corporation that makes big political contributions, getting the uh, the utilities commission that's yeah. supposed to protect the public to kowtow to them and go along with their schemes. And then when those schemes blew up literally in the faces of Californians, killing many of them, the, the cowardly legislators, uh, as if they'd had no complicity in the whole thing, passed this law that said the utilities responsible for any damages it causes. Well, you know, that might be appropriate, but that same legislature, those same uh, Public Utilities Commission board members, have been mandating that that utility spend many hundreds of millions of dollars, bordering on a billion dollars over the last couple of years, on various green energy schemes. Right. Keeping in mind that PG&E can't do anything without the approval of the Public Utilities Commission, they were approved to spend this, that, and the other, take this much profit, that to the shareholders, and a pittance... To maintenance of the infrastructure, clearing of forest land, defoliation, etc. That was all approved by the government of California. And now the lying, lying, pretty, pretty governor is acting like he's just shocked and surprised by all of this stuff. But again, so few people will hear the story. Sometimes I don't know why I waste my breath. It's because I'm a stubborn man, as stubborn as a jackass. And, Joe, as you pointed out, that erosion, that erosion began years ago and continues oh, yeah. today. Years in the making and wackadoo environmental policies that have mm-hmm. caused the mismanagement of the forests. President Trump has been tweeting out today that the U.S. has killed the number one replacement to ISIS leader al-Baghdadi. 
just confirmed, he tweets, that Abu uh, Bakar al-Baghdadi's number one replacement has been terminated by American troops. No. Trump, Trump writing, most likely he would have taken the top spot. Now he is also dead. Trump Boy, off- if my headhunter calls me for an interview, I, I'm not even showing up. Yeah, Trump offering no other details. And it wasn't immediately clear who Trump was referring to, though on Monday a senior State Department official confirmed that the ISIS spokesman, Abu Hassan al-Mihar, had been killed in Syria during an operation by U.S. forces. So this is who Trump may be referring to, but it's still a little unclear as to who he's talking about. Meanwhile, it seems that our Kurdish allies are responsible for the information that led U.S. forces straight to the hideout of al-Baghdadi. They had an informant in his inner circle who described al-Baghdadi's location, the layout of his hideaway, and even provided samples of his underwear so that DNA tests could confirm his identity. And I'm Kurt- sure he was thrilled with that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I told you what town he's in? Then I found his house? I'm telling you, he's there now. Yes. I'm looking through the front window. He's watching TV. Yes, I'm sure it's Al Bet. You want me to get what? He's under what? Oh, God. And in he went. In Top he went. drawer on the right. Yep. Kurdish leaders handed all the information over to the U.S., and that opened the way for the United States raid that finally led to the terrorist leader's death over the weekend. What do you figure al-Baghdadi? What kind of underwear he rocks? Probably not boxers, because there's got to be something to keep the sand out of your craw. (laughs) That's true. I I know Jack is a briefs guy. I'm a boxer briefs guy. Um, Not too tight, not too loose, please. Um, but uh, Al Baghdadi, I can picture him wearing some sort of weird, raggedy, you know, like just kind of shorts. I don't know. Or would I you have like the long john? Would you have the long john underwear? No, it's too hot there. You, you can't. You, that's that's impractical well, for the temperatures. Well, yeah, but you you know you uh, wear your flowing robes over it, and uh, it might not be all that hot. But oh, I see again, what you're saying. It's yeah. more like tights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking about. No, I'm thinking something tight and snug that he buys in bulk. I'm thinking a minimum like <laughs> seven to a package. Seven to a pack. Wow, uh, low grade dwears, fellas. Do yourself a favor. Spend the extra couple of bucks. Oh. Indeed, indeed. Turns out Google's parent company, Alphabet, is reportedly making a bid to acquire uh, Fitbit. Fitbit. Wait a minute, I hear Google, I think evil, go on. Fitbit shares soaring more than 30% on Wall Street right now. Terms of the offer not disclosed. Bye! But analysts say the deal would make Alphabet a player in the wearable fitness tracking market. Yeah, this is them just taking a shortcut yeah. to the Apple Watch yeah. market. Yeah, yeah. Jumping in and the uh, share, uh, you know, the uh, share price going up. Meanwhile, comedian Eddie Murphy. Now we've been talking about this for a while. Comedian Eddie Murphy is indeed planning on embarking on a stand-up tour next year. He's telling uh, the Wall Street Journal magazine he feels doing comedy is what he was born to do more than anything. Murphy last, and he's got like eighteen kids, so he's been <laughs> doing a lot of stuff. Murphy. <laughs> who's performed stand-up when he was around 28 years old, says he's been waiting to get back on stage for years and years and years. I watched well, his uh, his recent Netflix movie, the, yeah. the My Name is Dolomite oh, yeah. movie. I, really enjoyable. I, I, I thought it was pretty, I thought it was really good. 
Oh, that wasn't a theatrical release? Uh, they did That's a, funny. They did a limited theatrical release so it could qual. You know how they have to qualify, qualify. for certain things? Right. And yeah, yeah. So there was a yeah, limited pre- release, but it's a Netflix movie. It's out on Netflix now. So Pretty good is not a number of stars, Sean. Give it how many stars? Yeah. Uh, or oh, your, what would you say the tomato, the Rotten Tomato rating is, uh, viewers? What would you guess? Um, I would guess uh, high 70s, which is, okay. which is pretty good. So good okay. enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Certainly and worth you, checking out on Netflix. And if you saw Jerry Seinfeld's uh, Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee with uh, with Eddie Murphy, Jerry was really leaning on him to get back into stand-up. And Eddie, you could tell, he, he, he could feel it, he could smell it, you could see how much he missed it. So I'm glad to hear it. Well, I tell you, if he, when he announces the dates, that'll sell out bang in an instant. Oh, wow. Looking yeah. at the actual uh, tomato meter, it's an uh, audience score 90%. Yeah. 90. Oh my gosh! Yeah, wow. wow. So hey, P.S. Uh, you're you're quite the student of stand-up comedy. Will Eddie stay edgy? Will he, Dave Chappelle? Us? I don't know because so much of comedy is just your life experience and your perspective, right, and he's right. been so reclusive the last several decades. I'll be interested to see if he can kind of. I think it's more comparable to what Ellen did when she made the return to the stage. Right. How, how are mm-hmm. you? Now going to relate as a multi-millionaire, super successful person right. to Reckless. the average ticket buyer that that is is buying stand-up comedy. Uh, right. but yeah. he's, he's got eighteen kids. That's got to be a lot of fodder for something. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. He's also hosting Saturday Night Live coming up at some oh, point really? this season, okay. and oh. uh, there's rumors that he's looking to dust off some of his classic bits from uh, when he was back on uh, originally oh, on Saturday Night cool. Live. So I don't know if we'll see an updated Mister Robinson's Neighborhood or something like right. that, but uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to to his episode. He's Gumby, damn it! Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who know? Well, that's Gumby. good. A rapprochement with uh, SNL. So uh, coming up on the A&G show, we'll have final thoughts. And also, depending on how much time we have to squeeze stuff in, I, I have a, a fabulous uh, bit of information about Conan, the now declassified canine military dog that chased Baghdadi down his tunnel and, and thank God wasn't wasn't seriously hurt in the explosion. Yeah, he's a good um, boy. He is a good boy, but he'd be a terrible pet. Yes. Don't buy one of these dogs. Coming up, stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. Hey, I'm Strong and Getty Show. How you doing? Best wishes to you and yours. Uh, hey, uh, give me uh, the Conan joke, would you, Sean? Number 12. A new poll came out and it found that 70% of millennials, 70% of millennials said they would vote for a socialist. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, can you believe that? Millennials said they would vote. It's an excellent shot at voting patterns and patterns among youngsters. Um, <laughs> that's funny. I just got a very amusing text from a friend. So, um, Conan, not well. That's a funny coincidence. I didn't even do that in, on purpose. Uh, Conan allegedly is the name of the uh, canine uh, soldier dog. I know what to, it's. Canine officer. Well, it's it was the uh, the dog that. 
the American uh, Delta Force guys used to help flush out Al Big Daddy and chase him down uh, the tunnel and um, and bring him to heel and the rest of it. Um, and and I saw the picture and I actually I, I I recognized the breed, but I wanted to verify it, so I asked a friend of mine who trains um, police dogs and military dogs as well. Um, and is uh, just absolutely a, uh, an amazing talent at understanding dogs. And um, it's been really cool um, to learn more about uh, my dog, Baxter, and his breed and just uh, relating to dogs and operant conditioning and the rest of it. I mean, it's just a really interesting field. But um, Malinois is the breed of dog, or Mals, as they're known for short. Um, they're kind of German Shepherd looking, but they're not. They're generally a little smaller. But um, mals are typically very high energy, smart, and athletic. They also have to be very internal, meaning quiet and composed until they hit the target location. They range from about 60 pounds to 85 pounds, um, but generally a little smaller than a German Shepherd. He says, I've watched the SEALs train in San Diego and the dogs make entry with the team. Um, They're searching for both explosives and people at the same time. Um, they're mainly used for their nose, but are great for deploying into small spaces like tunnels and attics and that sort of thing. And great for finding hiding spaces under the floor or false walls. Um, they, uh, the Navy SEALs depend on them for explosives detection. A SEAL once said, we're trained to engage the enemy, but it's the explosives and traps we don't see that is what we really rely on the dogs to find. They're amazing beasts. Um, but then uh, my friend points out, and man, this this pops up pretty frequently. Americans, I think people in general, are really dumb about choosing dogs. Here's the one thing to remember. Dog breeds can be very, very different from each other and have very particular needs for their environment and 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 their exercise and their life and their diet. A dog is not a dog is not a dog. And I remember, you know, the, the craze when 101 Dalmatians update came out that everybody wanted a damn Dalmatian. Dalmatians are wound up as tight as a watch spring. And they're an extremely challenging dog. But everybody's running out and getting puppies. I'm um, going back to my friend's uh, quote here. The downside to the publicity is that now people will want to go buy mouths. They are not great pets. High energy and need a job. If you don't give them a job, they will find one like landscaping. In other words, they will destroy your backyard by chewing everything. Um, they're a great dog to train. They have great stamina, great intelligence. But if it's not directed into something productive, all that energy can be a problem. The worst thing that can happen to a breed is to become popular and almost ruin the German Shepherd. Um, and then he talks about how uh, the Malinois become a more and more popular dog in the United States. They've been popular as police dogs in Europe for about a hundred years. Um, I would caution people against buying one as a family pet. They will wind up in the pound for most families, which is absolutely a, a tragic. So, yeah, you read just there are so many great guides about what sort of dog you ought to buy and which sort of dog is is proper for you and your family. Do that research both for yourself and for the dog. Um, anyway, uh, so way to go, uh, Conan the Delta dog, and and obviously the fellows too. Doing some really, really good work against ISIS. Uh, in the time we have, which is fairly limited, 
Uh, there's a good bum explosion um, email. Uh, I like this one from Average Citizen. You guys were talking about uh, polarization, that the blue guys don't like the red guys, and um, that the uh, the polarization numbers are on the rise. Uh, the pickle, my friends, is that the rise in angst can be mostly attributed to the news coverage of politics. The news has taken sides, no different than the red versus blue on a daily basis. It's my opinion, based on observations, direct measures, the news has become instigators and perpetuators of disinformation. As we were talking about a little bit earlier um the Matt Taibbi piece. I will tell you the one thing I'd want to add to that, though, is, oh, you know what? I should throw this in. He says, uh, I will add this note. My ire with the Democrats crescendoed with the Kavanaugh hearings. The skullduggery that I saw take place was below the level of civility. Oh, and I was around for the Bork hearings and Clarence Thomas fiasco. That behavior scarred my view and opinion of the Democrats that I believe will never be impaired. I would, uh, I would guess, my friend, that most Democrats never heard the alternative point of view of Judge Kavanaugh. They just heard the continual reinforcement of the idea that he was a monster. But the other thing you have to remember is that we have so many inputs. There are so many websites and TV channels and and streaming video and, and music services and, and people are texting us and emailing us and Twitter and, and, and Facebook and the rest of it. People don't feel like they can get your attention by talking to you. They have to yell at you. And they can't merely yell at you. They have to yell something just really, really urgent and scary and dangerous and, and wild. And so it's the age of hyperbole. So, yeah, I think if you're uh, speaking to each other in measured tones about, you know, you know, I, I actually disagree. Um, you're just not going to get anybody's attention these days. And so we're, we're suffering for it. So I think the, the polarization numbers are, yeah, the politicos understand that they cannot get you whipped up enough by saying judge kavanaugh's too conservative they got to say he gang rapes little girls um so yeah i don't uh, what's the fix or where it goes from here i do not have the slightest idea another thing we're going to get to tomorrow is that the uh, number of kids watching online videos is absolutely soared we are changing childhood in ways uh well that maybe may some turn out to be good but i kind of doubt it uh some more on that tomorrow right now final thoughts hello elizabeth holmes here with my wolf balto we're wearing matching black turtlenecks uh i did paw stick him he had wolf lineage so i'm calling him a wolf so there (laughs) anyway final thoughts (laughs) elizabeth holmes there awaiting trial Hey, let's get some final thoughts from everybody on the squad. He's our producer, Positive Sean. Final thought? Yes, earlier, my my gravest apologies. Uh, I've been corrected multiple times on Twitter. I said the Eddie Murphy movie is My Name is Dolomite. That is inaccurate. The movie is called Dolomite is My Name. Idiot. Uh, I apologize. I will do better tomorrow. It would be impossible to find it, given that error. Signed people who don't understand how the internet works. <laughs> Our esteemed newsman, Marshall Phillips, your final thoughts, sir? I am heading home to grandly supervise a home improvement project, so we'll see how that goes. There'll be sanding, there'll be repainting, and some Chardonnay all thrown in. Wow, in that order, please, Marshall. Uh, alcohol does not lend itself to home repairs. We oh, shall boy. see. Yeah, who measure twice, drink once. Uh, let's see. Oh, it's Michelangelo pressing the buttons in the control room. Michael? All right, taking dance lessons from my wedding. Going to learn the waltz, the twist, river dance, and the robot. We'll see how I do. 
Uh, very good. And uh, my final thought is, uh, we were talking about diet and whether you should say something to somebody you love. The later it is at night, the worse eating decisions get. Now, is that hunger? Is it you've been having a couple of drinks or smokes or something like that? Or is there something about being tired that just renders you incapable of passing up the junk? Science needs to come to the d- decision on that and let me know, please. I was up like 15 minutes later than normal last night and found myself eating the indefensible. Ugh. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another four or grueling four-hour workday. So many people think so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. You'll see under hot links all the articles, all the videos, and everything we talked about. Send them around to your friends. If you like, drop us an email. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say what that. I've sat here for over three hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> that sucks. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? And I'm sorry if I hurt anybody, et cetera, et cetera, yada, 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 everything I'm supposed to say. Armstrong and Getty.